The Gospel of our Lord from Matthew. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men, and learning from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Now after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night and went to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Out of Egypt I have called my son. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated, and he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had learned from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they are no more. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up. Take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who were seeking the child's life are dead. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he had heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And after being warned in a dream... He went away to the district of Galilee. There he made his home in a town called Nazareth, so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He will be called a Nazarene. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's all sweetness and light. The baby's born, the Magi are on their way with their gifts. Herod gets involved, and it gets ugly early in Matthew's gospel, doesn't it? After the beauty, the joy of Christmas celebrations, we have Matthew's account of the horrible murder of Bethlehem's children. And the Holy Family becomes political refugees in Egypt. The silent night, holy night, has become sinister night, horrendous night, 
especially for all of Bethlehem's parents with male children under two. Oh, this is nothing new. We've, we've learned about sinful politicians and leaders all of our lives as we've listened to the biblical stories. There's David. You remember David and that little incident with Bathsheba? A little adultery, a little murder, a little cover-up. Kings and politicians do that sort of thing. And then in 1 Samuel 13, there's the little church-state problem where Saul, the king, thinking that he has all the power to do anything that he pleases, tries to be priest, assuming what isn't his to assume. I think that's not a bad definition for a good bit of our sin, taking what is not ours to take. Today, another leader, King Herod, threatened by talk of a new king, massacres all the baby boys in Bethlehem. We talk of peace on earth, let it begin with me. We like Luke's picture of the birth of Jesus, don't we? But, but there's a dark side, not pleasant at all, at all. In Matthew's story, there's no making spirits bright. Bright, No, it ends in bloodshed. Herod can tell a rival when he sees one. So he joins the other leaders of our age, Hitler, Pol Pot, Stalin, Mao, Osama bin Laden, Assad, and other strong-armed leaders and dictators. Herod, in fact, in fact, shortly before his death, orders that the firstborn of every family should be killed when he dies because he wants it, his, the day of his death to be a day of mourning, not celebration. We don't like this post-Christmas story. For after the angels, the shepherds, and the wise men, we hear the screams of mothers weeping for their babies. The slaughter of the innocents of Bethle in Bethlehem is one of the most tragic events related in Scripture. The light goes out in many lives. Does that raise a question for you? It does for me. If God's in control, why did all these innocent babies die? I have lots of questions but no answers that satisfy. The evil of this destruction can only be redeemed by Jesus' resurrection. The kingdom of heaven doesn't explain evil. In the end, it proclaims that divine power is stronger than any human evil or power. Herod is a tragic symbol of human egotism that will have its way at all costs. You know, when we face the significance of the slaughter of these children, we, we have several choices. Several choices in how we will respond. Well, we can say, well, what can you expect? That's just the way the world is. It's an evil place full of evil people. We can say that. Another choice is to deny the reality of, of evil, and some faiths do that. 
All tragedy is just a fantasy that we've created in our minds. Evil then is just in the minds of those who believe it's real. And as we become more mature, we see only love, we see only God. There's another choice. We can be like Job's comforters and tell people that any evil that, defall, that, that befalls them is a result payment for their sins. Some of us were raised in that kind of culture. That's one way we can respond. Or we can say God is in control. But I believe that God is utterly saddened by this murder. But I do believe that God has given us free will to make horrible, 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 awful, devastating choices. If we follow any of these choices, we're likely to deny the reality of human evil in ourselves. To blind ourselves to Herod, to Pilate, or the Hitler within us. If we refuse to see the dark stain within us, we give it power to act over us without our control, to act autonomously and freely through us. If we fail to acknowledge the darkness within us, the darkness within us can, can strike at us. Or we can project that evil onto another person and see them as the problem. It's someone else, not me. Fortunately, there is another choice. We can face the Herod within us, as painful as that might be. Those who are fighting evil in our world need to be aware especially of their own evil. And that includes us. If we are not aware of our own propensity for sin and evil, then we are likely to become that which we are fighting. Most saints have considered themselves to be the worst of sinners because the more they knew of God, the more they realized their own imperfections and sin. William Willimon and Stanley Harawas in their book, Resident Aliens, tell the story of a small southern town. It was in the throes of School desegregation. A white citizens group had been formed to fight the court's desegregation order. A meeting was held at the high school to discuss tactics for fighting the racial integration of the schools. It was a packed auditorium that night, and speaker after speaker condemned the court's order, urged people to resist. Then sometime, sometime well into the evening, the pastor of the local Baptist church came in. Now, you've got to pay attention here. These are two Methodists talking about a Baptist, so you don't expect much good to happen here, but stay with me. The pastor walked to the front, took a seat. He listened for a while, then he rose to speak, and when the presider saw him rise, he immediately yielded the microphone and invited him to speak. This was a pastor who'd served in that congregation and community for decades. He spoke in deliberate, grave tones. I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed 
I've labored here for many years. I have baptized, preached to, and counseled with many in this room. I might have thought that my preaching of the gospel had done some good. But tonight I think differently. I cannot speak for those of you who are not of my congregation, but to those of you who are, I can only say I'm hurt and ashamed of you and might have expected more. He left the podium, walked out of the auditorium, and the meeting resumed awkwardly. But one by one, most of the members of the Baptist church quietly left until the auditorium was half empty. Yes, Herod resides in each one of us. We must confront the Herod in us, offer it to God, or we too will kill. We'll kill the Spirit's work in our life. We'll kill the spirit of our children and our grandchildren. We will oppress those who are different from us in subtle but sure ways. We will do great evil because evil will be in control and not God. No, this isn't my favorite Christmas story. I don't imagine it's yours either. But it's in the Bible. And it's the truth about Bethlehem at that time. But it doesn't have to be our truth. While this is not the story that you and I want, it may be the story that we need. For the Bethlehem that we see is a prelude to the events that took place later at a place called Calvary. The one called King of the Jews goes head to head with our kings and kingdoms and there is pain, there is violence, there is weeping, there is blood, there is death, all for us. And all in the name of our salvation. And all in the name of love. And it begins in Bethlehem. Oh, thank God for Bethlehem. For it means we don't have to repeat the pain of that time. If we will face squarely the sin and evil within us and offer it to God. And so at our Lord's invitation, we gather around the Lord's table to remember that pain, that broken body for us. Amen.